We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome into the LakersNation.com podcast. It's game day. Lakers versus Pacers, the NBA Cup on the line. The first ever in-season tournament comes to a conclusion tonight when the Lakers take on that team from Pawnee. We've got a lot to get into today. I want to talk a little bit about the Lakers-Pacers matchup. I want to talk about the NBA in-season tournament in general. What does it matter? I also want to get into the mailbag. Before I get to all of that, though, if you haven't subscribed yet to the channel, you're watching this video on the YouTube channel, you have not subscribed yet, hit that subscribe button for me. We are getting closer and closer to half a million subscribers, which blows me away. Help us get there. Hit that subscribe button. And don't forget to turn on notifications as well. Over on the podcast side, a great way to help out the show is a five-star rating and review over on Apple Podcast. Takes about 15 seconds to do it. So if you wouldn't mind doing that, would appreciate that as well. All right, let's get into it. So Lakers Pacers tonight. I think this is going to be a crazy, crazy matchup. It's it, to sum it all up to one thing. It's it's offense versus defense, right? It's the Pacers, the best offense in the NBA against the Lakers, who I think over the last couple of weeks have been playing essentially as the best defense in the NBA. The last five games, they're second in defensive rating. Um, but there's more nuance than that that we need to get into. Before we even get to that, though, breaking down the matchup itself, does this matter? You know, one of the things that I think is is interesting, because this game, out of all the, all the games so far in the in-season tournament, they've all counted towards the regular season. This game does not. And the reason why it doesn't is because if you counted this game, it would become an 83rd game on your schedule. Then two teams would have 83. The rest of the teams would have 82. That doesn't really work. So this game tonight does not count towards the Lakers' regular season record. So far, the Lakers are undefeated in tournament play. And those games have all helped them in the standings. They've helped their record. They've helped where they're sitting in the standings. They've helped... Uh, them in offensive rating, defensive rating, in terms of how we measure teams, all of that. Right now, the Lakers are sitting fourth in the standings. They're winning all their tournament games, and that's helped them out. This game does not. So I've had people bring up the point, well, is this just an exhibition game then? Right? If this doesn't count towards the regular season standings, I've had people say, should LeBron and AD even play if the game doesn't start, doesn't count towards the regular season? Now, yes, LeBron and AD are playing. Could you imagine? I mean, the NBA would lose their minds if the Lakers sat LeBron and AD, load manage LeBron and AD 
the tournament final, nor would either player do that. They are fired up about this. So does this matter? Yes. And I guess big picture, we should talk about this. The narrative around this game, around the NBA's in-season tournament, the importance of it will be determined by who wins. It will be determined by who wins this game. If the Pacers win, you're going to hear what a great upstart team the Pacers are, what an impressive and exciting young player Tyrese Halliburton is, how much fun was this tournament. It was great. They had this incredible run, all of that. It's going to be a lot of positives are going to be heaped upon the Pacers, and rightfully so. The Pacers have been a blast. I'm not saying that shouldn't be the case. That absolutely should. If the Pacers win, give them all the credit for sure. If the Lakers win, though, well, we know what's going to happen. Why? Because history repeats itself. We already saw what happened in 2020. The Lakers win, you're going to start hearing a lot of, well, it doesn't really count. It's just an in-season tournament. Or, or the Lakers' path there wasn't difficult enough, as though somehow it's the Lakers' fault that the Memphis Grizzlies have been terrible this season when they were expected to be really good. <laughs> Even without John Morant, they were expected to be a good team. That has not been the case. And so the Lakers' group, had a few easy wins in there. Right now on the flip side, the Houston Rockets have been better than, than people expected them to be. So, But regardless, the narrative will go completely the other, the other way. It's going to be, this is meaningless. This means nothing. This doesn't mean anything for LeBron and his career and legacy and all that kind of stuff. And I don't even like getting into the like LeBron's legacy stuff, but that's what you're going to see happen. Right? That's the narrative that you're going to see pushed by the Lakers haters. Now, does it ultimately matter? No, I don't really care that some people that hate the Lakers say that 2020 didn't count or is a Mickey Mouse ring or whatever, or that those pe same people are going to say that this is meaningless, that this tournament means nothing, and that this game means nothing because it doesn't count towards the regular season record and, and all these sorts of things. Does that matter? No. 10 years from now, they're still going to have the first ever in-season tournament win. 20 years from now, it's going to be the case. Um, and I think all the other stuff tends to fade away over time. Um that said, the reason why I make mention of this is just to point it out ahead of time, just so you know, like what's coming. I studied history. History does repeat itself. The way we react to certain things repeats itself. We looked back uh, at, at the Spanish flu pandemic to see how people responded back then to how we responded to the COVID pandemic. Um, there are connections you can make. And I think the same thing's going to happen, right? You're going to have Lakers haters are going to hate no matter what happens, right? They're not going to give the Lakers credit. They're going to try to take away from it. So again, I'm not saying that because it matters or because their opinion matters or because their voice matters in this situation. It doesn't, but just be aware. That's what's going to be floating around out there. That's going to be the response. It's going to be to try to cut down the tournament, to try to delegitimize it, to try to take away anything that would give the Lakers any kind of feel good moment. Now on the flip side, Lakers fans, Lakers Nation, those of you who are watching this show, listening to this show, we know that it probably does mean something. And here's why it means something. Here's why it, why it does matter. It matters because it matters to the players. That's it. It matters because it matters to the players. It's the exact same reason why the All-Star Game does not matter. I don't even care to watch the All-Star Game anymore. Why? Because the players don't care about it. The players don't compete. The players don't take it seriously. So it doesn't matter. Because the players aren't really playing. They're just kind of out there messing around for a game. Hesitate to even call it a game. 
if that was the approach to the in-season tournament, and that was the fear for the NBA, if the in-season tournament was a bunch of teams not really going, going all out, resting their stars, not playing guys, not playing to win, not caring about the results, then would this matter? No, it wouldn't. Because nobody really played. Nobody really went for it. But that's not what we've seen. And the NBA has to be thrilled and so relieved. The players took this seriously across the league. And frankly, that's been fantastic for us, not just as, as Lakers fans, but as basketball fans. We've gotten some phenomenal basketball. Now, maybe Lakers-Pelicans was not a great game if you're a, a general NBA fan. If you're a Lakers fan, that was, that was pretty nice. But if you're a general NBA fan, Lakers-Pelicans was a snooze fest. But in general, over, overall, we've gotten some incredible games. Pacers-Bucks was great. Uh, Lakers-Suns was fantastic, right? We've gotten all these drama-filled, really close games that have come down to the wire and teams really competing, really getting after it. It's been a playoff-like experience. We've been, get, we've been getting playoff basketball in December. That's essentially what we've seen. LeBron's taking it seriously, obviously. LeBron's taking charges and all that. Now, you can say, well, it's the $500,000. You can say, well, it's the opportunity to win the first tournament championship. Whatever, it is, whatever the reason is, the players care. The players have played hard. The players have turned their play up a notch. So it matters. It matters. It's a legitimate thing. Now, does that mean that winning this is the equivalent of winning an NBA championship? No, of course not. But it's also not the same as like winning a summer league title. Where I mean, like, what do the Lakers do with the summer league title? They probably use it as a doorstopper, right? This is not going to be that. This is this this NBA Cup. If the Lakers win, it's not going to be that. Now, are they going to hang a banner? Well, that's another discussion, right? My guy Arash Markazi reporting uh, yesterday. The Lakers were probably not going to hang a banner if they won this, that they were going to reserve banner space for championships. But that was going to be the thing. Now, will the NBA push them to recognize the NBA in-season tournament cup in some way? Maybe. We'll see what happens. Years from now, 10 years from now, maybe this will be prestigious enough to where it's close to it. I don't think it's ever going to be an NBA championship, but it's something that people care more about and are more interested in celebrating. So again, I, I don't think that this is something that you, that we're not going to plan a parade for a, the in-season tournament championship, for the NBA Cup. But that also doesn't mean that it's summer league or it's a preseason game. Had the players shown up and just gone through the motions and not taken it seriously, then yes, the value of the NBA Cup would be none. But that's not what we've seen. In fact, we've seen the exact opposite. Teams have treated the tournament games as something special. Teams have treated the tournament games as something that they badly want to win. Maybe not the maybe not the Pelicans, Zion Williamson. What happened to you? Good Lord. It's troubling for New Orleans. But, but teams have treated this tournament as something special and therefore winning it would mean something, whether it's the Pacers or the Lakers, regardless of what the haters are going to say, but just pointing it out ahead of time. That narrative is going to be out there. The negative narrative will be out there if the Lakers are the team that wins it because nobody dislikes the Pelicans or the, the Pacers, I mean. Nobody dislikes the Pacers. So there's going to be a lot of positivity. Just be prepared for the narrative. Um, 
Does it matter to the Lakers? Yeah. And the $500,000 matters. And I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with them saying $500,000 matters to them, is important to them. We've gotten great basketball as a result. And so the in-season tournament is a thing that's here to stay. And I do think this is something that's that matters. And I think that a decade from now, maybe we're looking back and we're saying, hey, everybody's gearing up for the tournament. Remember, remember when the Lakers were the first team to win it? And that's going to be a trivia question someday. Could be that this is something that sticks around. We don't know. for It's definitely going to be around next year. Maybe it lasts five years and then fizzles out. We don't know what this is going to be. But at some point, winning this may seem even more special. Right now, in the moment, does it mean something? Yes. And it means something because it means something to the players. Which means it means something to the fans. Because we've gotten that high-quality basketball. All right. Let's talk about the Lakers and Pacers matchup here. So, again, the... The easy summation is it's the Lakers' uh, defense against the Pacers' offense, right? The Lakers have been an incredible defensive team, especially when they've got everybody healthy, when they've got Cam Reddish, they've got Jared Vanderbilt, they've got their guys, their army of wings that they can deploy. They've been great defensively. Now, the Pacers, their offense has been next level. They are, uh, perhaps appropriately, they are extremely fast. They're playing at the fastest pace in the NBA, they fly up and down the court. It blows me away. They shot horribly against the Bucs. The Pacers are a great, not good, great three-point shooting team. They shot 21% from three against the Bucs. Worries me a little bit about positive regression coming for them. But um, they shot 21% from three against the Bucs. And yet they put up 128 points. How do you score that many points? When you're not hitting very many threes, well, they did a great job getting to the free throw line. They got a ton of offensive rebounds. Had 15 offensive rebounds. Um, not typically a great offensive rebounding team, but they were great in this game um, against the Bucs. That's something the Lakers have to be wary of. They have to keep the Pacers off the offensive glass. This offense is way too explosive to uh, give them extra opportunities. So they put up 128 points despite only, only having seven threes. That's how fast, like they are flying down the floor. You make a basket, they're running down at the other end of the floor before your defense even gets back. So for the Lakers to win this game, it's going to be about transition defense and you're going to have to dictate pace. You're going to have to slow things down. Now, the challenge is they are not a great half-court offense. Their three-point shooting has held them back. Now, of course, I'm saying that maybe it's ironic coming off of the game that they had against the Pelicans. They were fantastic, obviously, offensively. They went berserk. Uh, but their overall, their offense has not been, been great. They're ranked 22nd in offensive rating even after even after that um, explosion against the Pels. I think they're going to get better over the last like five games or so. They're around 16th in offensive rating. They can improve, but the half-court offense is not exactly where they thrive. It's not like they're the best half-court offense in the NBA. They're certainly not. But for this game... You've got to dictate pace, and that's playing much slower. If you try to play this game at the Pacers' pace, um, you're done. You can't do that. You have to find a way to slow the game down. Don't allow the Pacers to have a million possessions to jack up a bunch of threes. You've got to slow this thing down and punish the Pacers. And that means, uh, look, attacking with LeBron James, frankly, because I don't think they really have a an easy pick to defend LeBron James. So attacking, using your matchups, in the half court, that's going to be extremely important. And I think the Lakers' offensive discipline is going to be critical in this game. 
what's going to happen is every time the Lakers miss, the Pacers are going to run it down the other way. So that means shot selection is going to be extremely important. You've got to have a solid shooting night, and that means you've got to take good shots. If you're taking bad shots, making poor decisions, those missed shots turn into Pacers defensive rebounds. They're going to be flying down the court the other way. The very least, they're going to get mismatches in semi-transition. So these two things are tied. I know we tend to separate offense, defense. I talk a lot about offensive rating and defensive rating, but they really are they really are connected. Um, they're connected. If you have a good offense, that helps out your defense, right? Because if you're taking good shots and you're making more shots, you're scoring efficiently, that gives your defense a chance to get back and get set up. Conversely, if you're taking a lot of bad shots, if you're missing shots, those long rebounds can turn into transition opportunities for your opponent. Now, they're not connected in that every great offensive team is automatically a good defensive team. No, that's obviously not the case. And we certainly see that even with the Lakers, who are good defensively, have not been great offensively. So they're good defensively despite the issues on offense. But nonetheless, the Lakers' offense is going to be a key in this game for their defense. And one of the big questions that I want to see is what do the Lakers do on the glass? We saw it against the Suns. The Lakers, who have focused on getting back in transition this season, we've seen them essentially punt offensive rebounding. Just get everybody back. That's been their goal. Then against the Suns, they completely changed that. Anthony Davis went berserk and had nine offensive rebounds. And the Lakers crushed the Suns on the offensive glass. So what strategy do we see from the Lakers? Do the Lakers say, this Pacers team is too good in transition. We need to focus on our transition defense where the Lakers actually can be really good when they focus on getting back. So do they go that route, which I think this is the most likely thing. And does that mean they sort of punt on their offensive rebounding opportunities and just focus on getting everybody back? That's the likely strategy here. Or do you say to hell with it? And we're going to crush this team on the offensive glass. And if we miss, we're going to get the putback and we're going to be putting so many shots in off of offensive rebounds that they're going to be taking the ball out of their basket. And that's going to give us a chance to get back the danger when you do that. And we've seen it a few times is when you, if you're the Lakers and you send Anthony Davis at the offensive glass, if he does not come away with that rebound, your toast on the other end. Opposing teams are recognized that recognize that immediately if Anthony Davis is behind the play and they're going right to the basket. We even saw the Pelicans do it a few times last night while that game was still being contested um, or night before last. So it's a gamble if you're going to crash the offensive glass, but I think it's going to be one of the key decisions that Darvin Ham and the coaching staff have to make in this one. It's do the Lakers get aggressive and go after offensive rebounds or do they commit all of their guys to getting back and try to slow down that Pacers transition attack. Again, I think it's going to be the latter there. I think we're going to see the Lakers really focus on getting back and getting themselves set up defensively and ready for this Pacers offensive explosion. They can be extremely, extremely devastating on that end. Now, Tyrese Halliburton, Sean Davis has talked a lot about how do you manage him. He's probably the best pick-and-roll point guard in the NBA right now. He's been absolutely phenomenal. I think the Lakers are going to have to throw a lot of different looks at him. You know, the one of the differentiators between the in-season tournament and, say, the playoffs is, well, there's, there's a few key things we have to remember. The in-season tournament is really set up for a team like the Pacers and the Lakers to a degree as well because you don't have to be great for two months. To win the NBA championship, you have to be great for two months. You have to be great all the way through April, 
right? Which midway through April to midway through June. You have to be great, right? In order to win the NBA championship. In order to win the in-season tournament, it's a much shorter stretch there. So you can have a young team like the Pacers come out and blitz everybody. And with single elimination games, what that means is the adjustments are all happening in-game. But we know, we know the way NBA adjustments typically happen. Yes, adjustments are made in-game. You see adjustments coming out of halftime. But where the big adjustments are, are made, especially in a playoff series, it's game to game. Think about Frank Vogel back in 2020, all the adjustments he made game to game. Darvin Ham did it as well. He made the wrong adjustment at the start of the Denver series, but we've seen Darvin make adjustments too, game to game. You learn teams' tendencies. You figure out how to counter those things. Then the other team counters back. Then you counter the counters. It's a chess match. That's not going to be the case in these single elimination games. So single elimination, you're not going to have as much time to react and to counter what's going on. And that's going to be critical. So the Lakers' strategy that they pick here against a team that they haven't seen yet they're not going to have a lot of opportunity to adjust that strategy on the fly. They can do some things, tweak some things here and there, but a lot of this is going to come down to what do you do in the moment, in this game? How do you react? Because you can't go through and scrap everything, but what do you do in order to deal with this Pacers team if they start to throw stuff at you that you're maybe not quite prepared for? How do you tweak things on the fly? That's going to be really critical for Darvin Ham, the Lakers coaching staff. They're going to have to think, on their feet. And again, the Lakers with more of an aging team um, in terms of the stars, like LeBron. Can LeBron go nuclear for seven, eight games? Yeah, he absolutely can. And he's done it. Can LeBron do that for two months? That's that's a bigger question. And I'm not saying it's a reason to discount the Lakers and their playoff chances, but it is a fair thing to wonder, just like the Pacers. Can they pick it up for a handful of games? Yeah, they can and they can get some upsets. They can beat some teams. But if they were to enter a playoff series, would I pick the Celtics or would I pick the Pacers if the two sides are playing each other? I'd pick the Celtics because I think the, the Celtics would make the right adjustments game to game and ultimately win. In this case, your adjustments aren't as big of a deal. So this game, if it's played at the Pacers' speed, well, the Lakers are going to have to try to figure things out on the fly. And that's a big differentiator between the playoffs and this in-season tournament. So again, one of the, the big things when we talk about the NBA playoffs versus the NBA's in-season tournament and people want to give you know credit to one or take away credit from another or whatever, if we're comparing the two, it's there's a little bit less strategy involved, right? Game to game, the chess match. It's not quite the same when we're talking about a one-game single elimination. And I love one-game single elimination. It's fun. You have a random player who blows up for 30 points and has a hot shooting night and your team is through, or that can be the end of your team too. You can be on the other end of it, but it is very different. And it means for the Lakers, for a team that's got plenty of veterans that in theory would be able to adjust game to game and make these kind of reactions, um, they're going to have to figure out ways to adjust on the fly to the things that the Pacers are doing. Conversely, I also think about the pressure of this game. You know, this is a one game for all the marbles, all the pressures on here. Who's going to manage that pressure better? Is it going to be the Pacers, who have a lot of young players who are very exciting, who run up and down, and, and maybe they'll be just fine. They've been obviously they've handled things just fine against the Celtics, against the Bucs. They've been beating these teams. Um, or the Lakers, who have LeBron James, who is literally the oldest player in the NBA and has been through every situation imaginable. 
uh, plus Anthony Davis. And then all of their, all the, the rest of their team, they're all young, but they're veterans, right? They're all guys who are in their mid-20s who have been in the NBA, who have experience. Um, these are the guys that the Lakers are, are relying upon. There's a little bit more experience on the Lakers side. You know, Max Christie is probably the youngest guy that may actually see floor time, and he's 20, and it's his second year. But they don't have a lot of other guys like that. They've got a bunch of players, D'Angelo Russell, Austin Reeves, right? Uh, Cam Reddish, Torian Prince, all of these guys are mid-20s, Torian Prince is late 20s, but nonetheless, these guys are all athletically at their peaks, and they've got experience in the NBA as well. So I wonder if those things will be a big factor in, in this game because I think this is going to be a kind of all-attention-on-us type situation. How do the Pacers manage that pressure? How do the Lakers manage it? Can the Lakers' defense frustrate the Pacers' offense? And if they can, then what happens? That's going to be another thing to keep an eye on here. But I'm expecting a great game. I'm expecting a battle in this one. And I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm fingers crossed. Hopefully the Lakers can win it, take home the first NBA Cup, bring on the haters, and you just, you just go out there and get it done. Go out there, get it done, get the win, take home the NBA Cup, and... Um, yeah, it'd be a nice thing for midseason. You know, overall, and I'm biased because the Lakers obviously have done well, but overall, I think this tournament has been a, a real win for the NBA in general. Uh, it's been great and can't wait to see how the final plays out. But that's going to be coming up tonight. Remember, you can join us on Playback, playback.tv slash Lakers Nation and watch the game with us. All right, I do need to get into the mailbag. Before I get there, though, uh, let's give a shout out to our sponsors, and let's kick things off here with BetterHelp. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Obviously, it's the holiday season. It can be a very stressful season. It's also a great time. It's, it's, this is my favorite time of year. There's no question. It's my favorite time of year, but I'll admit it, it can also be very stressful. Personally, I've got everybody coming here, my whole family coming here to me. It's going to be like a Griswold family Christmas here, all under one roof. That inherently has a lot of stress involved. Plus, there's all the gift giving and all that kind of stuff, making sure everything is just right. Everybody enjoys themselves for the holiday season. Whew, it can be a lot. So I'd just like to say that while you're focusing so much on everybody else and the gifts you're giving, don't forget to give yourself some love this holiday season as well. Um, therapy is something that can really benefit a person just to process things, just to go through everything, just to talk through all the stuff in your life. You can learn different coping skills, how to set boundaries, different strategies that empower you to be the best version of yourself. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule, which is, I mean, this, this time of the year, everything is busy, 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 go, go, go. The fact that BetterHelp is so flexible and so convenient, well, that's a big plus. Uh, just fill out a brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So in the season of giving, give yourself what you need with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LakersNation today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash LakersNation. Would also like to give a shout out to our friends over at Underdog. Now, Underdog Fantasy is a tremendous and fun way to play fantasy sports as well as 
the easiest place to play fantasy sports. You All you have to do is pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in this week's game for a chance to win big. You pick between two and five players and build and you can win up to 20 times your money on a single night. So super, super easy. For example, you'd be picking LeBron James higher or lower on total points or rebounds or assists. Steals, sometimes they do fun categories, steals and blocks together, all kinds of stuff. All you got to do is pick higher or lower. Super simple, very easy to play and very, very fun. You can sign up today with the promo code LakersNation and get your first deposit doubled up to $100. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the App Store. And don't forget to register with our promo code LakersNation to get your first deposit doubled up to $100. Must be 18 or older and present in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-522-4700 or visit www.ncpgambling.org. All right, let's get into the mailbag. Take a look at some of the comments coming in. This was from after the Lakers win over the Pelicans. So obviously there's going to be a lot of positivity in the air. But for anybody new, the way I use these questions, these comments coming in from Super Chats, I use these to bounce around through a lot of different topics, rapid fire style. So Andrew said, LeBron, 30 points in under 25 minutes. Goat. Yeah, I don't get into the goat debate much, but LeBron, 30 points in 23 minutes is unreal. Super dope hip hop said, Hallie Halliburton or LeBron first MVP. So super dope hip hop is a LeBron fan and a Pacers fan. So he must be just totally beside himself overjoyed because no matter what one of his guys is winning and they're yeah, he's probably right. Like it's either going to be Halliburton or LeBron that gets the first MVP he says win, win for me, 2000 finals encore. Yeah. The last time we saw the Lakers and Pacers in a battle like this, the Lakers came out on top way back in 2000. I remember that vividly, but that was a good time. Avant Traders, Lakers only a half game behind the second seed. Yeah, I mean, look, there's going to be a lot, uh, a lot of movement in the standings, but we've seen the Lakers really pick it up for the tournament games. And the benefit to that as well, beyond just, hey, you're advancing in the tournament, is it's helped them in the standings, in the actual NBA standings. Again, they're the four seed right now. I do expect the West to be very compact throughout the season. I think it's going to be this gauntlet to get through. By no means do I think that it, that the, where things are situated right now is where things are going to finish. But still, it's always good to see your team move up in the standings. I could be surfing. Said if the Lakers win the in-season tournament and the chip this year, will that change how the in-season tournament is viewed in the future? Uh, maybe. It might. I, I think they're going to be seen as two separate things uh, for the foreseeable future. But... I think it legitimizes it a little bit. It's it's like this. For for example, I, in, in 2020, I always have to go back and point out because people say, oh, Mickey Mouse ring, Lakers didn't really do anything. They had an easy path and all that kind of stuff. I always have to go back and point out the Lakers were the number one seed going into the bubble in Orlando. The Lakers had just beaten, right before everything shut down with COVID, had just beaten the two teams that were considered to be the biggest threats to win the championship. That was the Bucs and the Clippers. The Lakers just beaten them back to back. And so the Lakers were the best team in the regular season. They went into the bubble. They were the best team and they won the championship. Why does anyone try to take that away from them? If the Lakers win the championship this year, because you know there's going to be naysayers about the in-season tournament, if the Lakers win the NBA Cup, 
does that then retroactively get legitimized by the Lakers winning the NBA championship? Because then you could go back and say, look, the best team won, period. There's probably something to that. But I don't know. Like, I think the, the tournament really needs to be its own thing. And I think it will gain legitimacy over as time passes. But it certainly wouldn't hurt. It wouldn't hurt. And you know what? Because it wouldn't hurt, like, let's just go ahead and do that. Can we do that? Let's just go ahead and do that. Because I think that, that would help the in-season tournament. Do the NBA a solid. Lakers win the in-season tournament. Lakers win the championship. That would that would help the in-season tournament have more legitimacy, right? Yeah, let's do Adam Silver a solid. Let's do that. Brandon said, huge win. Trev, can we please stop addressing these ridiculous hater comments? They're not even worth an explanation. Yeah, I mean, I like people to be prepared. So people aren't too upset. You know what's coming. History repeats itself. We know what's coming. We know the commentary that's going to be out there if the Lakers win it. There's going to be naysayers. There's so many, there's Suns fans running around saying the Lakers cheated. You guys are crazy. It's just knowing what's what's coming and being prepared for it. That's all. It's pointing it out because we know what the response will be. AW, great win today. Braun Goat. I believe that adding a guy like Lowry, if he's truly on the trade block, elevates the offense massively. Yeah, you know, I do still think the Lakers need another offensive piece. The question is, what do you give up in order to get that? And then is it is it worth it? Okay, so like when we talk Lowry marketing, what do you, what would you have to give up in order to get him? That's the important piece to this. And that's what the Lakers are going to have to figure out over the next couple months. Yeah, we're literally just under two months away. The trade deadline's February 8th. Jay Hatch signed up for a membership. Guys, if you haven't checked out the LakersNation.com uh, YouTube channel uh, membership program, you can check the join button over there and uh, and see the perks that we have to offer. We've got uh, exclusive content, all kinds of stuff coming out, special emojis channel members get to use, all sorts of things. Uh, live shows where they get to actually jump in and, and be part of the show. Yeah, it's fun. Andrew said, LeBron taking three charges might be the mo most impressive thing. Two of Zion and one of B.I. Yeah, look, LeBron, you can say what you will about this, but um, about the tournament, LeBron's taking it seriously. He's turning it up. And I'll be honest, folks, I hope LeBron takes his foot off the gas after this. I want to see LeBron healthy for the playoffs. I want to see LeBron do this come playoff time. I don't think he can do this permanently. So I'm expecting LeBron tonight against the Pacers to be on another level. I'm expecting LeBron to be fired up, to be ready to roll. After this, eh, let's ease off that gas pedal. Let's leave some gas in the tank for May and June. Shudu, dude, said the most complete effort all season. Offense, defense on fire. If every game's like this, the Lakers win it all. Need to reduce LeBron's minutes, though. LFG. Well, yeah, I mean, if the Lakers win every game by 40-plus points, then yes, they win it all. But no, it, in terms of effort, energy, intensity, this here's the my the most comforting thing from all of this has been that this exists this level of defense from the lakers exists this level of play exists you're not going to get it every night you're not i guarantee you I can tell you right now can predict the future the level that you've seen the lakers play at in the tournament will not be the level that they play at on Tuesday when they restart regular season games. It won't. 
And it's easy to say, well, you should put forth effort every single game. You should be going all out every single game. It's easy to say that from your couch. It's not an easy thing to actually do. And even if you do, remember what happened to the Warriors? The cautionary tale, 73 wins. Hey, you got it done. Great. You set the record. What happened? They ran out of gas in the playoffs and they didn't win a championship. If they could go over, go back and redo it and ditch the regular season record wins and have another championship, could they? would they do it? Would they make that trade? I think they probably would. So w- pushing down on the gas pedal, holding the turbo button every single game, it's just not possible. But that they can when they have to, when LeBron has to burn some of that, push down on the gas pedal, kick in the nitrous, whatever it is we want to talk about, that he can do that, that they can do that. That's important. That exists. So you know there's another level they can get to come playoff time. Michael Harmon, if LA keeps playing like this, I hope all the Zach Levine talk goes away. I love this squad. Yeah, I don't, uh, the Zach Levine stuff, I just don't see it as very realistic. It's just not. And, and yes, if the Lakers are playing well like this, it pushes you more towards if you do any kind of a trade, it's a minor tweak and not a big, but like people have been talking about, oh, D'Lo and Rui and stack all these guys up and go get Zach Levine. First of all, that's extremely unlikely to happen anyway. But it pushes you if you're seeing a team that's really, really good, but could use a little bit of help with perimeter defense, could use a little bit of help from behind the arc, could use a little bit, well, maybe a lot of help behind the arc, could use maybe another big. We're talking minor tweaks here. Minor tweaks. That's what we're talking about, not major moves. So yes, if the Lakers keep winning, they keep being successful, they're not going to go blow up the team to get Zach Levine. Now, should someone else become available that is a clear 1A super-duper star? Yeah, all bets are off. But I don't see the Lakers, nor do I think the Lakers should, blow everything up to get Zach Levine. If you can get a crazy deal, somehow you don't have to include a bunch of pieces or something, uh, then sure, but the math doesn't really work out. I think it's much more likely that we see a minor move uh, from the Lakers. Justin Duran... Hamas joining the uh, the channel membership program. Welcome, everybody. Tony said, is it me or did LeBron unlock his inner Kobe? That sure was a Mamba-esque performance, wasn't it? Those dagger threes he was hitting. Whew. Talk about killer instinct. LeBron, I love my favorite moment from the game was when the Pelicans started to make a little run. Like the Lakers came out and were still red hot in the start of the third. They pushed the lead to 20. The Pelicans punched back and got it down to 16, got a couple of stops. They were making a run, and then LeBron just comes right back and hits a three from, like, a, a deep three. Like, he was shooting it from L.A. or something, and they're playing in Vegas. Just hits this three. Pelicans immediately call timeout. You see the energy just drain out of the Pels, and LeBron just stands there and shakes his head. Like, nope. You guys were starting to make a run. Uh-uh. I said no. Not going to let it happen. I decided. Unbelievable. Josh Crockett said, Prince, baby. Yep. Man. Torian Prince hitting the threes. I've been saying, you, you can't be out on him right now. He's, and by the way, the last seven or eight games, he's actually shot really well. The month of, of November, the first three weeks, he shot terribly. And I had a lot of people saying, trade him, bench him, get rid of him, all this stuff. I think 
the shooting we knew was going to come back around. He's not that bad of a shooter over his career, just like I think Christian Wood's shooting will come back around at some point if he starts getting more minutes. And we'll talk more about that in just a, in just a moment. But the shooting we knew was going to come back around. And then the question becomes, can you move Torian off of the role where he's defending the other team's best perimeter player all the time? Because he was in that role out of necessity. But now that Vando's getting back up to speed, Rui's back, Cam Reddish is back, can you move him off of that role? Because if you can, and the shot returns for Torian Prince, he is an infinitely more valuable player for this Lakers team. And you'll start to see why we were so excited when they got him for just $4.5 million on the biannual exception. Uh, Jermaine said they should allow the winner of the in-season tournament to replace a loss with a championship win. That's interesting. That's interesting. So the winner, but then what would happen to the team that they played against? Would that then become a loss for that team? So you get to pick which team, and then it's kind of unfair to that team, right? It would be interesting strategy-wise, though. Could you imagine that? If you could flip, if that was like a, a power that you got, gosh, almost like Big Brother or something, if you guys watch that show. Um, if you suddenly got this superpower where you could change up the outcome of one of the games, like what game would you pick? What loss would you flip to win? Because you'd have to be strategic. The Lakers would be adding a win to their schedule no matter what. Would you pick like a division opponent? You'd want to pick a team that maybe you're competing with for playoff positioning? I don't know. Be interesting. It wouldn't happen, I don't think, but be interesting. Patrick becomes a, a channel member as well. Welcome. And so does Carson. Chris said, doesn't it feel like we need to trade D'Lo for more of a facilitator? point guard to compete in the playoffs the two-star model worked when we had rondo but who's that who's that guy that you're trading d'lo for to get that that's the that's the question right who are you getting because there's not met that that many of that player in the nba that's a facilitator point guard i mean like i mean tg mcconnell kind of i like him but you're not doing that um who the lakers are going to see who is that guy? Who's that facilitator point guard? Is it Chris Paul? You're not doing that with the Warriors. Who's that true facilitator next level point guard? I mean, honestly, it's probably Tyrese Halliburton, right? Obviously, he's not going anywhere. So I don't know who that player is. Because a lot of guards are becoming more score first. We're seeing more and more scoring guards like De'Aaron Fox scores the ball. You look at some of the best guards in the in the league right now. They're, they're scorers. It's what they do. It's part of the way today's game is is set up. Um, the guards can run pick and roll and and get in the paint and, and get things done. They get a lot of great calls because they fl go flying off a play. And think about Trey Young, right? You bump him at all. He goes flying into the 10th row because he weighs 120 pounds. Not literally, but these guys are finding success. So who do you get that is that next level passer that's available? That's the problem. So you can say, well, on the wouldn't this skill set work? Sure, but who? Who is it? And then if you're trading D'Lo, he's already probably one of your better facilitators. He's been really locked in on feeding Anthony Davis. So I don't know if I want to tinker with that too much either. Justin Duran, can you explain how these two games change our regular season schedule? Do we lose a game with the Suns and the Pelicans because, because we played them? No, you just gain an extra game against those teams. Now, fortunately, the Lakers won those games. But, um, yeah, so no games are actually added or lost. Let me be clear. In terms of the 82-game regular season, 
Tonight's game against the Pacers does not count. It is an 83rd game. It will not appear on the Lakers record. Okay. So just we first, we need to make sure we understand that. Then the NBA put a certain number of games open on the Ross on the schedule. And it was, it was two games. There were 80 games on the schedule, two games, not. And the reason for that was for this in-season tournament. Once teams got eliminated from the tournament, those schedules were filled in the Lakers their two games that were added had to be against teams that were still standing. They wound up getting the Suns and the Pelicans because the way the bracket worked out, but they will still play 82 games. It just means they're going to see the Suns and the Pelicans an extra time this season. And again, fortunately, the Lakers won those. Danny Silva is a new channel member. Welcome in. Tristan said, Rui, Gabe, and Christie for Vucevic and Caruso. Um... I mean, yeah, I think I would do that. And I like all those guys. And I, I, I could say this. I don't think the Bulls would do that. But, and I like Rui. I like Christy. I, I think Gabe still needs a shot. But, I mean, Vucevic is really good, you know, and he'd be a nice, he's not a great defensive center, but you put him next to AD and you, has, you could have something there. Plus, you get one of the best defensive guards in the league. I think I'd have a hard time saying no to that. But once again, um, I don't see the Bulls doing that. Cuddy, any word on why Christian Wood fell out of the rotation? I think the Lakers just like Jackson Hayes and his ability to move his feet, his lateral quickness. I think that's really what it is. Um, and defensively, he's fit into schemes there. I don't think Christian Wood is like done, like he's just out of the rotation permanently. I don't think that's the case. And I do think that his three-point shot is going to come back. That's been a big part of the problem. His three has not been falling this season, which Lakers tax, Lakers curse, whatever you want to call it. Hasn't been falling. And so now you've got Jackson Hayes, who the the big advantage that Christian Wood has over Hayes is the three-point shot. If that's not falling, well, Jackson's the more athletic player. He's got he's quicker defensively. And so the Lakers have gone to him. I think I can argue though that Christian Wood might actually be the better or or Jackson. Yeah, Christian Wood may be the better rebounder than Jackson Hayes. But I don't think Christian Wood is just done or anything like that. I think he's still gonna be a factor for the Lakers moving forward. KGR, if MJ had a chance to a tournament like this, knowing how competitive he was, he would do it. The only question is how much how much poker would he play in Vegas? <laughs> so I don't know why the narrative why the narrative they give LeBron it's crazy. It, part of it is there are player first fans. There are player hater fans whose fandom is rooted in rooting against a player. There's also fans whose whose fandom is rooted in rooting for a player and not necessarily a team. And that's not the lens that I look at the NBA through, but there are a lot of people who do. So if you're a LeBron hater, or for example, if you're like a Curry supporter, you automatically kind of have to knock LeBron, right? For some reason, that's a thing. Steph versus LeBron. They're both great. But come on, like, are we really arguing Curry somehow is better than LeBron? Like, it's crazy. But but nonetheless, um, that's that's part of it. So when it comes to narratives around a certain player, part of it is they're either trying to prop up their own guy or their fandom is kind of rooted in hating a certain player or a certain team. And in this case, there's a lot of people who hate LeBron, a lot of people who hate the Lakers, and their LeBron happens to be on the Lakers now. So, yeah, it's a perfect storm. Robo James, if only every Laker game had a $500,000 prize on it. Well, yeah. Also said, master lock microphones on coaches. That was pretty rough. 
when the Pelicans coach uh, Willie Green was was mic'd up. New name for the Lakers defense, wing stop. I love that wing depth the Lakers have, that's for sure. Yoda Masters said, where does Gabe fit in the lineup if we continue to have good games with these lineups we have now? Off the bench, what do you guys think? Yeah, I think it would be off the bench. I'll tell you this, though. I don't think I'd change what they're doing right now. I think Austin Reeves is a starting caliber guard in this league. I think he is. Um, I don't think that's that's not a hot take at all or anything. But I think for this Lakers team, when you've got so much wing depth and the wing depth is such a key defensively, your best bet is to stagger D'Lo and Austin as much as you can. You can still play the minutes together as well. But and then you let the hot hand close in the fourth quarter because that gets you a bigger, lankier, longer, better defensive team out there on the floor. And it gives Austin minutes where he's running the show. It gives D'Lo minutes where he's running the show. And so far, that's worked. That's worked for them. Dante, should the Lakers trade D'Lo for better shooting? Well, like, how do you do that? How do you do that? Because D'Lo is the Lakers shooting right now. I believe, I could be wrong, but statistically, I believe he's their best three-point shooter. Certainly on volume, on any volume, he's their best three-point shooter. So that wouldn't necessarily be... Oh, I'm wrong. LeBron, is after this game, because LeBron went nuts in this one, LeBron is now a 40.7% three-point shooter, and D'Lo is a 40.5% three-point shooter. Okay, so I stand corrected there. LeBron is slightly ahead. Of D'Lo. Interesting. They have the same volume, though, basically. Both of them taking about five and a half threes per game. LeBron making 2.3 of them per game. D'Lo making 2.2. Bottom line, though. You're taking one of your positives from three and trading him to somehow get an upgrade? Who are you going to find that's shooting better than 40%? Yes, Malik Beasley. Ouch. That hurts. Lonnie Walker uh, has been shooting well from three, too, although he's, he's been out, but still... Um. Essentially, what, the only way you would improve your team three-point shooting by removing D'Angelo Russell is if you added multiple three-point shooters that would supplant other players that aren't shooting well in the rotation. That's the only way you're improving your team three-point percentage by removing D'Angelo Russell from the roster. So I don't think it makes a lot of sense to approach a D'Angelo Russell trade with the goal of improving the Lakers three-point shooting. I think it's more, can we stay the same? and lose our what has been one of our best three-point shooters by percentage and by volume. That's really the question, I think, for the Lakers this uh, in this trade season. Um, Isaac, Isaac said, hey, Daddy Trev. Huh. That's an interesting nickname. Said, what do you think this potential in-season tournament championship means for LeBron's... Uh, legacy um i don't i don't think it means a ton i think it's a feather in his cap that that he's got this this tournament championship now if 10 years from now the the in-season tournament is a big thing it's a prestigious thing we may look at this and say wow lebron's got this too um and i know the joke around there is well anything that happens what does this mean for lebron's legacy but realistically like People want to stack up LeBron's legacy against Jordan's legacy and vice versa. And, oh, wait, but what if LeBron wins another championship? Then is he the greatest of all time? What if LeBron wins the in-season tournament? Then is he the greatest? The problem is that there's never going to be a, a consensus. Yes, this player is the greatest. There's not. 
There's not going to be a moment where everybody just goes up. Oh, that's it. LeBron won a champ. That's it. LeBron won a championship. He's, he's now the greatest officially. No, there's people who are always going to say it's Jordan. There's people who are always going to say it's LeBron. And you can argue about it till you're blue in the face, but it's not going to matter. You're not going to change their mind. You're not going to change their opinion. So what's the point? They're both great, incredible players. Everybody has their own preference on who they think is the greatest ever. But I think it's very difficult to compare across eras. Apples to oranges. And beyond that, when we're talking about two of the greatest players ever and we're trying to stack up resumes and do all of this stuff, I think more often than not, we wind up attempting to tear down one player rather than prop up somebody else. We try to destroy the argument for another player. Oh, Jordan, you know, he he wasn't in he, he wasn't in an era that shoots the three the way this era does and, you know, things of, of that nature. LeBron, well, he's lost in the finals though, so that's that's a negative on him. These guys are insane athletes. Next level. And my fear with this stuff is always that when we're so determined to debate who's the best, who's the greatest, what is this? Oh, does this put LeBron over the top? Do we wind up just losing how great these players are in that? Do we get so caught up in that that we lose sight of what's truly important and that's to appreciate how incredible these players are and the magnificent feats that they went to to achieve the greatness that they've got. You know, when I think about Kobe, that's my, it's the biggest takeaway, right, about Kobe. It's not the championships he won. It's not the 81 points. It's not the MVP. It's the constant battle he had against himself against the frailties of the human body, his will to drive on and on and push himself to constantly be better, to find ways to adapt and overcome. Those are the things that, that really resonate. Yes, the championships matter. There's no question. But when we're trying to compare players and, and is this player better than this player? Is this player better than that player or whatever? We can get so caught up in that and start tearing apart whatever flaws a certain player had that we can lose the lessons learned by seeing what it was that led them to, to be this great. And when we're talking about players of this caliber, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about greatness. So all of that is a long-winded way of saying why I don't like getting into the, the GOAT conversation. It's just not my, not my thing. So what does this mean for LeBron's legacy? It means he's a great player. He's one of the greatest players ever. Is he the greatest? That's going to be up to everybody's opinion. What does it mean for his legacy, though? It's another thing that people look back on and say, hey, LeBron was the first one to ever win that. Add that on top of everything else that he did. But does it suddenly mean that LeBron wasn't great before he wins the NBA Cup? And after he wins the NBA Cup, he's suddenly, this, uh, he's suddenly great. This is the straw that broke the camel's back and causes everybody to unilaterally just decide he is the greatest. No, that's not going to be the case. That's not going to be the case. But it never was. All right. Lakers, Pacers tonight. Join us on Playback, playback.tv slash Lakers Nation to hang out and watch the game. going to be a good time. And then right back on the Lakers Nation YouTube channel for the Lakers Nation live post-game show. 
appreciate everybody for joining again subscribe over to the youtube channel youtube.com slash lakers nation follow us over on apple podcast spotify wherever you listen to podcasts you guys want to find me you can find me at trevor underscore lane over on x at trevor lane nba on instagram and threads till next time everybody see you and stay safe everyone is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about but why what do we know about magnesium well magnesium is the number one mineral that 75 percent of americans are deficient in if you are a woman over 35 magnesium will help you rediscover balance energy and vitality Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.